0: Hey guys, I'm Rhea Fry, best selling author, business owner, wife, mother, but most of all, I'm a human. And I'm
1: Joe Tower, entrepreneur, producer, editor, husband, son, and I am also a human.
0: As writers, we're always digging behind the story of publishing, ego, process to get to the deeper truth of who we are and why we're here. While
1: we're still pursuing that mission of the Right Way podcast, we wanted a platform where we could talk about being writers. As well as being here. Now
0: we'll be spending each episode talking with real people about real shit. This is the real story.
1: Yeah, I, and I think that the subjectivity of the written word of a book... Because I told you this the other day. You had sent me uh, Chevy Stevens' Dark Roads. I cracked that open, and I don't know what mood i was in or what had happened that day or you know maybe i was in a shitty mood or whatever but there, there's a prologue that's clearly written by a dead person a ghost and and i was just like fuck this book um and I, I was so easily dismissed it like it's not it's not my book so a few months later whatever i picked it up a week ago i dive into it again and i'm like this is great <laughs> so i from a day-to-day basis like my taste in in a particular piece of writing can change and i i don't know when i mean any like both as an editor and as a reader like i don't know when or how we stop step back and especially for you with submitting, I don't know, do editors have the opportunity to like say to themselves, I'm going to take a, I'm going to step back from this manuscript for a week. I'm going to come back to it and take another look.
0: No, I mean, <laughs> I don't think that happens. Well, I don't think editors, so editors at major publishing houses, which is kind of what we're talking about. Like what do editors really want? What makes them say yes? What makes them say no? No. Um, I feel like because they are so slammed with submissions, I mean, you they know, agents they don't have no, time don't. to
1: actually take anything into consideration.
0: Absolutely not. And so what usually happens, you know, if if an agent submits your manuscript out to a slew of editors, so anywhere from 10 to 30 editors, and what typically happens is that editor does not get to that manuscript right away because they have a stack that, of books that are waiting to be read before yours. And the only way they like jump to it is if there's interest in your book. So if some editor does read your book, they like your book, they want to pass it on to the acquisitions team or maybe make an offer, you alert all those other editors. And then those other editors have to read it, have to rush through it, and read it. So to your point, let's say they've had a horrible day, or they're super overworked, or they just are skimming it and not really in that mood. I can't tell you how many times, just like that um, experience that you had with Dark Roads, where I'll pick up a book that's really great. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to do this. And then I very rarely will come back to it. It's like, I make up my mind which is why you know you have such a short little window to get someone's attention um, on the page and to keep their attention, but it's- and like what if
1: it does? What if that doesn't matter? Like uh, you know, I think it's I think it's an interesting point that your current manuscript that's out could potentially be a little bit divisive because of the subject matter, um, and I don't want to give anything away, but. Um, we used to talk about all this all the time in like screenwriting circles and in the acting community. Uh, if you're an actor and you go into audition for a role for a TV for TV or film, and you sit with a casting director and you do a reading, let's say by some insane stroke of bad luck, you somewhat physically resemble. The significant other that just dumped them. Oh,
0: exactly, exactly. Like
1: so, so in the case of your current manuscript, what do you do if it drops onto the desk of an of an editor who somehow perhaps experienced that? A hundred
0: percent. And you know, so I, I've actually I, this isn't really giving anything away because I've I've talked about it a little bit, but I, I
1: didn't want to be the one to yeah, do it. No, so <laughs> I, yeah, no, I appreciate
0: that. You know. But this this new book that I have out on submission is called The Other Year. And it's very, um, it is heavy. It's women's fiction actually, but it's heavier subject matter in that it does deal with the drowning of a child. And when we went out on submission, my agent warned me that a lot of editors are going to pass because they can't get around the drowning. And I wanted to, I kind of wanted to be transparent about this process because I think a lot of people think oh, I'm published. So it's just a walk in the park, like to automatically get a book deal going forward. And I just want to let people know, like no one is safe and nothing is guaranteed. Like because I chose to walk away from my publisher and that was a very mutual decision. Um, I'm thrust back out there in the wild, like so many first time authors or, you know people who have maybe tried to get published a couple times and nothing came through i'm in the exact same boat and to date so like we submitted and then it was just crickets and you know i haven't been out on submission since 2017 with a full manuscript i've i've submitted partials in the past but um partial manuscripts but this is the first you know book that i've uh, out of my last four books that i've had to like write the whole thing without getting paid and go out on submission. And when I submitted not her daughter, I mean, it was like a couple weeks maybe before all that, just all the excitement started. And it's been a month and it's just been like literally crickets. And then we got a little possible excitement from someone, which means you know, it's not an offer yet, but they will take the book to their acquisitions team and they have to get yeses from everybody before they can make an offer. But what that means is that my agent then alerts all the other editors about the book. And so this was, it had been about a month and we had sent to another round because she only sent to a few. And the person who is interested got the book on Monday. And by like Thursday, she was like, I love this. I'm going to pass it to the team. So I was like, "Cool, that's exciting." So Rachel went back to all the other editors that we had submitted a month ago, and three or four of them in particular were like, "Oh, I'll move this up in the in my line of books to read then and, and get to it and get back to you." So for one month, they had not even looked at it. They hadn't even picked it up. And so that that's an issue in and of itself is like when we go out on submission, if there's no real sense of urgency for an editor to read that book right at that second, and then they're kind of forced to read it in a very condensed window does that color there? I'm sure it does. You know, so I wanted to like be transparent about this because, um, I mean, going back to the original point was I was really worried that when I got rejections and Rachel warned me, once we go back to people, say that you have interest, you're going to get a lot of rejections. And that's the name of the game. 99.9% of the time you will get rejections. So I got, I've gotten seven <laughs> rejections so far. They've been the best rejections I've probably ever gotten. Um, but only one of them has alluded to the, the, the drown child being too heavy for them. So a lot of people have said, I mean, across the board, it's been so nice, like amazing premise, you know, um, strong voice, great writing, but like, you know, oh, I feel like the story's a little quiet or I don't think I'll be able to break this out in, you know, ultimately like a very big way or I don't have enough vision uh, for how to publish this in like a big, big way, which is a blanket statement for I think like they're just not truly passionate about it. Um, And you know, so I kind of like I I compiled all of these short little rejections into one document and was really looking through it because every single person which was really nice and these are some editors that I like look up to like oh my god, you know, Rhea is such a talented writer. The storytelling's great like so it's validation with those sorts of things, but at the same time it's like, oh, but it's still not good enough. I'm still not good enough. I'm a fucking fraud. I'm not going to get, I'm not ever going to get published again. Do I even want to play this game? Do I want to sit around and wait for someone to tell me yes? Like it's, it's so confusing to figure out, especially in fiction. So here's my biggest conundrum and all the fiction writers out there, any fiction writers out there can relate in that if someone comes back to you and says, you know, I really liked this book, but like I had a problem with this part of the plot or this character or like, oh, yeah, I just felt the story was a little quiet as a novelist. We can change anything. You know what I mean? Like anything is fixable. Anything is tweakable if the author is willing to tweak it. So it always brings me back to, you know, editors are usually so kind and like they'll give one reason or other and they all say the same thing. Like for this reason, I have to step aside. Um, for this reason, I have to step aside and it just makes me wonder, like, what is it that makes them jump, you know, and say, yes, immediately, I have to have this book and you do only need one. Um, I mean, that is true. You only need one. Yes. But in this industry, in the music industry, in so many of the creative arts industries, we set ourselves up to write books that will hopefully appeal to thousands of readers, right? Like thousands of different readers, thousands of people who might have different opinions and viewpoints, but that all hinges on one person liking your book enough to make you an offer. And I just find that very perplexing as a concept. Well,
1: especially you're talking about people that in this, this is oftentimes like you said what happens in creative industries a lot, uh, across the board oftentimes the true um, decision makers and and the uh, the true like I don't I don't know what else to call them uh, the executive um, level at, at whether it be publishing houses or production companies or whatever um, are too can't be bothered with reading through shit. So you've got these tired and overworked and probably underpaid and I you know I don't mean to cast aspersions but I think a lot of times probably not in a lot of cases they're not qualified I mean I know a handful of motherfuckers that worked at production companies that were like interns that got promoted <laughs> to like associate produce like development producers I mean that's insane, so you've got it you're getting through a very tired and very overwhelmed and overworked and underpaid and undervalued uh like net. Uh, to try to make this basket. Well,
0: and it's either or. So it's either. So I do all my research on editors that we submit to. I look them up on social media. I look in Publishers Marketplace to see what, how many deals they've had in the last six months. How many are six figure deals? How, you know, I'm doing my due diligence because I'm picking them as much as they're picking me. Right. And so there's two camps I've found in editors. There's either the senior editor who has like, is just a fucking rock star and has worked her, his or her way up the ladder, usually her way up the ladder, and has been there for a long time, but is very particular about the types of projects that you know she takes on. And a lot of times I wonder, okay, is that editor actually reading the book or is their assistant or intern reading the book? You know what I mean? I used to intern at a literary agency. Uh, which isn't the same I, I get it as an editor at a publishing house but i would i'm the one that was reading the query letters and deciding if i even passed it to the agent so when you get a senior editor when you're pitching to like a boss <laughs> sometimes i'm wondering like are they actually Do they even have the bandwidth or time to read through this book in two days, three days? You know, I don't know. But then the other camp is the very young, very young editors that are 22 years old, 23 years old, 25 years old, and they often will have very high turnover at these publishing houses. So I got very lucky at St. Martin's Press. I started with my editor, Alex C. holster. She was an assistant editor when I started. And now she's like the shit, <laughs> you know, four years later. And I stayed with her for all four books. But every single one of my friends who has been published has maybe had two editors, three editors, four editors, five editors, Um, Even when they sign with an editor, sometimes that editor will leave and they'll get someone new. So I do think a lot of the problems with turnover are very systemic in that, you know, you look up editorial salaries and they are not great. Now, I'm not really speaking to the veteran, but, you know. you
1: I don't even know if they're good.
0: No, I mean, I've never seen anything. Like, I think about our business, right? Like, it's a you know, not to talk about money, like super transparently, but I do love to talk about that. And it's like, it's a lucrative, you know, multiple six figure business. And then I look at these editors and how much they have to do and how many projects they have at one time. And I mean, I used to look up because I was like, oh, I want to be an editor at a publishing house. And when I was looking that up, granted, this was a long time ago, but it was like 50 grand. 60 grand a year and to live in New York and, you know, afford afford things. And I mean, so I don't know why when these publishing companies, especially the big boys, have so much money, why? The editors don't get paid better. The publicists don't get paid better. So they are really incentivized not only to stay, but maybe to take on less, to have less pitches, to really, you know, have a little bit more freedom and flexibility to take on projects that they feel passionate about. And I I kind of feel, and I might be jaded and I might be wrong, but like, I don't feel like there's as much passion When editors are acquiring books, as there used to be, like back in the day, now, especially with nonfiction, now it's all about, well, how many followers does this person have? Ooh, you know, they'll be able to break it out in a big way because they're a celebrity or they're this or that. And used to, it was really more about the story. And, you know, in living in, we didn't get to live in that like golden era of writers
1: but well when there was some pageantry too to the whole thing. Oh man. And there was and actually like- some incentive. There was something about discovering the undiscovered. Oh. Which I think is totally it's gone. It's
0: totally gone because get
1: we don't want to do that. We want them to have done it for they want them to have done it for them. They they want like someone who has like a pre-established audience, a pre-established, um, author platform. They don't want it. You know, I mean, you read about like famous editors, uh, you know, like not and and quote unquote, like pulling people off the street. Like, you know, uh, guys that were writing like fucking beat poetry and like, uh, leaflets and shit like that. Like that doesn't happen anymore. You no. Know?
0: And I mean, I feel like there was this real, I, I don't know, like being published was for, the very chosen few and like having an agent or having an editor was such a big deal. And the writer would go away and they would write for like five years, you know, and be like tortured with, you know, doubt. And then their agent would be there to like, you know, no, you can do this and, you know, talk them up. And then they would have this book deal and and get to really like promote the book however they wanted to. But then they got right back to writing. And I think it feels so much less about the artistry and the craft and it's almost like checking boxes like there's so many people writing there's so many people pitching there's
1: well the market's flooded I mean that's another reason it's like, absolutely flooded you know you think about like the, the heydays of writing like writers having really good relationships with their agents or their editors or editors working exclusively with, with certain writers for like the duration of their career and the reason for that in a lot of ways is because they didn't have their, 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 their stables weren't as full. Like they had a few people they were managing a few, a few writers writers they were managing. And, and to think, you know, the lists of clients that creative representatives have these days are like, I mean, how anybody, how any of us stand a chance, how any of them stand a chance, like no wonder, uh, like a couple people, uh, only tend to rise to the top. I mean, You know, you you got slates that are 25 people, 50 50 clients, 75 clients. I don't know. It's
0: kind of funny. Like I was thinking about this recently. So we are left to our own devices as writers. So we go away and we write a book and it can sometimes go off the rails and, you know, go in a completely different direction. But we spend so much time writing this book. Like with the other year, I didn't spend, you know, years or anything writing this book, but I wrote it. And then I edited it, and then I hired an editor for it. And you know, you went through it, and I felt like I took it a little bit more seriously and wanted to really make sure that it was ready to pitch. And I got validation and confirmation that it was. And then, you know, you send it out to these editors, not really knowing what they actually want to see. So it's like, It's just like stabbing blindly in the dark, like you hope something hits. But I'm like, why isn't there a system where it's almost like we that the editor specifically says not just on their bio, like this is what I'm looking for, but where we could almost have like a dialogue with editors before we pitch to make sure that it is the right fit and the right book and like, or I don't know that the the whole process is so removed, right? Like you send this whole book that is your whole fucking world that you've worked on, that you feel really good about. And then you get maybe two to three lines, if, if that at all on, if it's a pass, and then they just move on. And it's you as the writer are left like, questioning everything. Like this has really challenged my, not only my ego, but just, you know, I'm someone who likes to like manifest and dream. And one of my really good friends who I will not say because the deal is not like done, but she was in a similar boat to me. um Decent deal. I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast, but she just took her writing career to the next level. She wrote this book and then got like six offers and sold it for an ungodly amount of money. And I was like, well, tell me like, what is this? Is this book just like so special? And she, you know, she's like, no, not really. Like, so again, because she had interest from one editor, it like sparked all this other interest. And then it was this feeding frenzy. But if she had, if all of those editors had passed, would she feel so differently about this book? You know, would she, like, that's the thing. It's, we feel so good about ourselves when, you know, the impossible happens. But because this industry is so riddled with rejection, I found myself, instead of letting myself dream, like, huge, amazing dreams, I'm kind of entrenched in reality. Like, every time I get a a rejection, you know, I always tell our clients, like, every rejection is getting you closer to your yes, but I'm kind of like, fuck what am I doing do I like should I be doing this it just it makes me question everything and I forget that no this is actually I really believe in this book and it was a totally different type of book for me but I actually feel good about it but then I'm questioning should I feel good about it if people don't want to publish it you know what I mean it's a it's this kind of self you know harming (laughs) Self-harming practice and process that is really hard to stay highly positive when you're just sitting back hoping someone will tell you yes. And then when they do tell you yes, as I've experienced that, you know, the real work begins then. And, you know, i I have said over and over again, if I don't get the type of deal that I want for this book because I now know what I want, I now know what I don't want, like, I will absolutely look into self-publishing it. But then that scares the shit out of me too because there's so much I don't know in that arena.
1: Well, <laughs> we're all fucked, guys. Uh, we're all geez. fucked, man. But
0: we're all in it together. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I I do think Well, it's writers you know, are we, in it we together. Talk... Writers. Writers are in it together. And there are some and, editors you know,
1: that are in there with you, with the writers. But I I, I feel like the The more that we've talked about this, especially over the last couple of years that we've had the podcast, there is such a separation between big publishing and writers and uh, that it, it it does it may it's it's unfortunate that the that big publishing still has the toehold in our consciousness that it does. Yes it's it's oh, unfortunate it does. because and, it's making yeah. it's making itself less attractive. With each passing day. Well, it
0: is. And I feel like, oh, well, I mean, it almost makes you feel if you've been published by the big five, like to do anything other than that makes you a failure. And so most people I know who've been published by the big five have not been impressed and have not had the most. And even like
1: not a writer. I feel like there's this stigma that makes you, that makes us feel like we're only real writers if we've been been through the big publishing system and, you know, not only do I want to like really reinforce that that is not true, that big publishing certainly doesn't decide who writers are. I, I, I think also, and I think it's unfortunate this situation that you find yourself in because that is this, like the staggering and insurmountable obstacle to overcome in creative work is that it only becomes a product or a property when we subject it to an audience or or we subject it to, to criticism or 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 fanfare. And that fact alone, like the that criticism and that fanfare can determine to the creator whether or not that product or property is has value. And I think that's what what's, what's unfortunate. And what we really need to reinforce is this mentality of, and I have always said you have to write for an audience. And I do believe that, but I think you also need to know who your audience is. And I think you are also part of your own audience. So write, I think we've got to like write something. You got to write something that you really believe in and something that you really like because... You could write, you could you could outline and write that guaranteed, you know, the market ready kind of a book by numbers manuscript. You could do that and it could and it could you could get an agent or you could not get an agent and you could get an editor. You could not get an editor. You could get a publishing deal. You could not get a publishing deal. And then you've spent all that time crafting something that maybe you really, your heart wasn't really into. Maybe that you were just trying to do it for an end game. It was a means to an end. Or you could spend that time writing something that you really want to write, writing the book that you really want to write. And you have just as much a chance of getting that published and not getting that published as, as, as the one that supposedly, you know, is written for the marketplace. I, I don't know. I just think like, we're, man, we're, we're, we're good. They're they're in they the how they're designing the industry is making it so they're gonna have a bunch of artists that are just well, trying to create market ready properties. It's that's um,
0: I feel like I mean I've even I've even been told like, got to really like your next book needs to be like really high concept like editors want to see really high concept, and I mean number one I know we did a, a podcast on that forever ago but I feel like we're just out like left in the dark oftentimes like so if we write the book we really want to write which I just did I actually wrote the story I really wanted to tell and I'm confident that you know hopefully someone (laughs) will say yes but if they don't and I wanted to self-publish therein lies a whole different beast of you've written the book right but now you have to worry about like The cover design and distribution and how to get sales and ads and the job of being a published author has become so messy and just laborious and heavy when it really used to be about writers writing good books, period. And I feel like we need to normalize this conversation a little bit more because today specifically it's why I don't, you know, I just, so I just deleted Facebook, you know, no Twitter, no LinkedIn. And so I just have Instagram. And when I get on Instagram, I mean, lately I've been getting on Instagram and I'm just like, ugh, and I get right back off because I see all of my author friends and they're all just like, you know, their faces with their books and like who they're talking to and what they're doing. And we are only publishing the good shiny bits. We're not talking about all the self doubt and the rejections and what it really took to get here. Um, I mean, some people do that, but I, but I feel like this is the main part of the journey. If you want to be a published author, this is it. This is the stuff that it that makes up most of it. It's the writing portion of it, the creation, the solitude, the self-doubt. And then if you put your work out there, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of waiting and a lot of rejection. And it's just a conversation, I think, that we need to have more and more of, especially the people who are at the top. And, you know, you hear the stories from like J.K. Rowling and how she got, you know, rejected by a million different fucking publishers. But then it's like, yeah, but I could never make it there and I could never reach that level of success. And I don't really, I don't really have a point with all of this, but just to say, I, you know, I think we need to hear more from successful published authors about how fucking hard this journey actually is and how nothing, I said it earlier, but nothing is guaranteed. But I think it's also an opportunity to figure out like, what do you really want from this journey? And why are you really doing it? And you're allowed to pivot and change your mind. And I mean, I'll be honest, I've had numerous times where I'm just like, should I just take a big fat break from all of this and just like get some clarity? But then it's like, but I do love, I love writing. I love putting stories out there. And, you know, if this book gets picked up. It probably won't come out until 2023, 2024. And then there's just like a huge gap between my books, you know, to be like a two year gap. And then it's like, oh, is anybody even going to remember who I am or want to read my books? And so then you do think about self-publishing and it's just this like never ending cycle of what should I do next? What should I do next? What should I do next? And I think there's got to be a way to take more control, you know, figure out how to deal with the industry if you want to be a part of it, um, and then simplify and understand the self-publishing side of things. If that's, if that's the path that you want to take.
1: If you are a person that is embarking on this journey and has any questions or thoughts, you can email us at podcast at rightwayco.com and also per Rhea's point, And I think I absolutely 100% agree. If you are a successful and published author and have a real story about how fucking hard it is to break in to the publishing industry and gain a foothold and be anointed in the publishing industry, you can you can also email us at podcast at rightwayco.com and prove us right or prove us wrong. But uh, absolutely let's uh, let's get to the truth of it for sure. Thanks
0: everyone.
1: Thanks for listening to Right Way Presents the Real Story.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment. And for more information on the real story and rightway, visit rightwayco.com.